everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast slash uh, video that I like to put together once a week where I like to uh, share with you certain observations that I'm seeing in the uh, stock market and the investing domain and also share with you some of my own personal investment decisions that I'm making um, and how I'm going about making them. Uh, really for the for the purpose of just uh, for you to hopefully take away some uh, nuggets of information which you can bring back into your own uh, investment decisions that you're uh, that you're facing. Uh, my name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do, because a lot of people have ever heard of an investment coach, uh, there's money coaches and you know those type of things, financial advisors, but I'm a little bit different in the sense that uh, as an investment coach, what I try to do is I just try to help people who want to become more financially independent. But the problem a lot of people have with investing is they find it really confusing, they find it intimidating, and they find it frustrating. Um, they either don't know where to start when it comes to investing, especially if they're new at it, or there's people out there who've been investing for years upon years and they just don't seem to feel like they're making any traction in their portfolio. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people I teach people and I engage with people on how to make better, how to make how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they, they can increase the opportunities or the probabilities of achieving financial freedom in their lives and achieving it with a certain level of confidence. So this is episode 96 and today I'm going to talk a little bit about the whole concept of complexity, um, simplicity and complexity uh, when it comes to investing. and. And when we look at complexity, I think as people, as human beings, um, we tend to look at complexity, um, whether in any aspects of our lives, as being some sort of validation. If something is really complex or difficult to understand, it's, it's in our minds we kind of validate it as being, okay, that seems like a good way to do it. So it seems really complicated, so it's gotta be a good thing to do. And in investing, in the investing industry, does a really great job of kind of instituting or implementing uh, or institutionalizing this whole element of complexity in how they invest and how they sell products to us. Um, you know, you go to a financial advisor, you go to a broker, they set up a portfolio for you. They're very, a lot of times, and one of the complaints are they're very hard to understand. And it's hard to figure out if you're actually making money off of them and if they're actually delivering the performance for you and if they're actually getting you to the, meet the financial goals that you're looking for. And it's a common criticism <clears throat> of the industry. So the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I came across a really interesting article um, but written by Alan Roth and it was in the financialplanning.com uh, website portal. And the article he wrote was called Why Advisors Struggle to Keep Portfolios Simple. And the premise really comes down to is if you really break it down to it, we have so much, you know, thanks to technology, it is really easy to create a portfolio, to create a, you know, dirt simple, dirt cheap, easy to understand portfolio of, you know, equities or bonds or whatever, or just a diversified portfolio. It's so easy to do. The reality is you can probably, um, all you really need, if you just want to have exposure to the stock market, you know, exposure to equities, you probably need like maybe five ETFs. You can do it with like five, at the most five ETFs. You have an ETF for the US market, you know, I'm in Canada, so maybe a domestic Canadian ETF, uh, maybe a European developed uh, market ETF, emerging market, and then a bond component and fixed income. That's like five ETFs, and you can do that so easily and so cheap now 
Um, it's crazy. And in fact, actually, you can even go further. That You can make it even more simple. If you, you, there's ETFs. You can buy just one ETF. That'll invest in pretty much the entire stock market, all the stock markets and all the equities on the planet. And uh, I know there's people that blog about it and talk about, you know what, I have a two ETF portfolio and it basically gives me instant diversification across all kinds of different asset classes. And you can, it's so easy to do. So it was interesting, but when you, in the financial industry, we don't see any of that. Like you're not gonna see a financial advisor saying, okay, here, oh, you know, here's two, e this is all you need, two ETFs, go crazy. Um, often there's all different levels of complexity and a lot of it, and I'm gonna get into it, um, and in, especially Mr. Roth in his article, he really kind of tries to figure out why the heck is the financial services industry making this thing so complex? What's behind, what's the rationale behind creating this, all these different portfolios, actively managed, passively managed, ETFs, stocks, bonds, why do we even have to have this level of complexity in portfolios? Do people really need this? Do you really need this level of complexity to generate meaningful returns to get you to achieve your financial goals? And so he goes, tries to figure out, and he identified 10 different ways, reasons, um, why the industry um, creates portfolios that are, that are over complex, that are just too complex than, than necessary. And he gives 10 reasons, and really, when I, when I went through it, really, there's a couple of, there's barely three themes that come out, three real reasons why um, the industry really, you know, goes overkill on how they design portfolios. And so that's pretty much what I want to talk to you today about, is try to give you my take on this uh, thing. It's a really great article, you can check it out, I'll put a link on it on my website, sageinvestors.ca. So the first reason why advisors might want to create more complex portfolios is the one that's kind of, we've, is kind of the going reason um, the default reason, and that's fees. You know, financial companies, banks, and all this stuff, they're businesses. They've got to earn income somehow, right? And so charging fees for services, but fees also for the assets that they're managing, seems like a, a logical thing in a, in a reasonable way to, uh, to, to stay viable. Like otherwise, you know, they're not just doing this for the, out of charity and out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, they gotta make money. These are businesses, they gotta make money. So that's cool. Um, and it is a driver in terms of how portfolios are, are designed. And some analysts are gonna say, uh, advisors are gonna say, no, 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 we don't do that. We believe in fiduciary duty, da, da, da. It gravitates, it's, it's, it's a constant tension in the industry and it creates conflicts, conflicts of interest and wondering, okay, whose interests are you as an advisor who's designing a portfolio, recommending, um, you know, assets to invest in, um, whose side are you on? So fees, is, that's the obvious one. Um, the obvious reason why portfolios are more complex than they should be. As I said, you can just have two ETFs that are just dirt cheap and less than, less than 20 basis points and you can have a perfectly uh, cost efficient, reasonably per per performing portfolio. Um, so that's one reason. Second reason is uh, and he talks about it in a lot of the reasons what he gives. The theme that he comes across is is that you know having a five you know let's just use the example of having a two uh, ETF portfolio that gives you broad exposure to overall uh, the equity markets and a really cheap cost is a good thing. But the industry's perspective is that yeah that's nice, 
but it's missing stuff. There's some things you need, it needs some filler. There's some gaps in that kind of simplistic approach. And he cites a whole different types, different types of products that have kind of come out in recent years, more so since the financial crisis, 2007, 2008, because we've really seen that explosion, especially as related to ETF-oriented kind of uh, um, securities. And so he goes through a whole bunch of different um, um, types of investments out there that were that are really getting pushed quite heavily and are actually generating quite a lot of sales in the industry too. Um, but he questions like, why do you even need this stuff? So like he talks about international bonds. Um, you know, usually we we tend to gravitate in with investing in more domestic oriented uh, stuff. But now we're seeing a lot of more confl uh, pr uh, proliferation of you know globally global equities, which is global assets type asset classes so international bonds are out there um, and a lot of times you'll get advisors and, and the industry saying you know what you, you need to have that broad uh, global uh, exposure and I say that too when I look at it uh, you know especially with equities and stocks I think it's just you can't you know you don't want to have that geographical bias um, and so the the intentions are nice and the intentions are noble um, the reality is it's really expensive you know, investing in international bonds carries higher costs. Like right now, as I said, you know, eventually maybe these costs will come down and maybe it is a, a legitimate offer, but a legitimate um, opportunity. But right now, um, according to Mr. Roth, you're saying it's really expensive. It's just gonna increase your cost level in your portfolio unnecessarily. You're better off really more with a domestic kind of exposure. So that's one element. Then he talks about um, this whole element of income preservation. And this is really a concept that's come out really since the financial crisis. A lot of people lost a lot of money and they're freaked out about investing, freaked out about putting money in the market. And so Wall Street and Bay Street, the industry has kind of responded uh, with this whole concept of smart beta, um, you know, uh, protecting capital, income protection kind of products. Um, and it's really also targeting a lot of the boomer generation because you know they're you know close to retirement. The, you know preservation of capital is obviously a, a, an important component. So we're seeing a lot of products out there um, that are kind of targeting this low volatility, smart beta kind of managed futures kind of um, you know type products. And the, again, the reality is when you look at the research, they're costly and they don't really ensure you're going to get any uh, better level of performance than your nice little simple portfolio. So. Um, that's a REITs. REITs. We're seeing a lot about real estate investment trusts, income trusts, uh, management limited partnerships. All these wonderful little products that are out there that, that that advisors and the industry is telling you that you know what you need to have this kind of exposure because these are going to fill in the gaps that are missing in your exposure because your simple portfolio just doesn't cover any of these areas and you need to have it. So you're seeing that kind of proliferation out there that's leading to more complex portfolios. Alternative assets like managed futures I talked about, market neutral, um, market neutral funds, long short funds, inverse oriented funds, hedge funds, uh, fund of funds uh, type thing, uh, private equity oriented kind of things. All these alternative assets now have, have you see these things being pushed like, like hardcore by, by the industry. And because they're saying you need to have this in here because it's, you, you can't miss out on it. And that leads into this whole FOMO concept too, which is part of the, you know, trying to, part of the industry's value proposition. Oh, you better get in on this before you miss out because it's, you know, get in on the ground floor before this thing starts taking off. And that leads to, element, you know, people tweaking their really portfolios 
to put things that they really don't need in it. And so that's, that's the other element, this missing, you're missing out thing, this FOMO aspect um, is, is creeping into and is a big reason why portfolios tend to be a lot more complex than, than they really necessarily have to be. And the final area really where <clears throat> this complexity thing gets out of control is, you know, I'm talking a lot about the industry kind of instilling this on, on investors, on consumers. Well, the ironic thing about all of this is it's not just the industry's fault, it's our fault because we're asking for a lot of this stuff. And again, it comes down to originally when I started, I talked about how we use complexity kind of as a validation tool. If something is really using a lot of words, a lot of jargon, um, a lot of fancy numbers, charts, you know, a lot of um, unique kind of terminology, we tend to, as people, we as humans, we tend to process that and validate that, saying, "Oh, you know what? This is this is a really that's a really complex. It's got to be a good thing." And so we, we accept it. And so a lot of times when um, we push something or when we present something that's a very simple, elegant kind of solution to a problem or a simple, elegant portfolio that will meet a lot of 95% of a client's requirements, um, a lot of times the response we get is, a lot of times the customer will say was, is, that's great, but you know, is there anything else? Like it just sounds too simple. And a lot of times we kind of shoot ourselves as investors. We shoot on ourselves and on our. We shoot ourselves on the foot in, the, in our own foot, because we try to outthink ourselves. We think, oh, there's got to be more to this than what I'm looking at. I don't. You know, I have three ETFs that do everything. There's got to be some. I need to be doing something else. This need to be engaged. And so a lot of times, and this is quite evident in in when it looks at when we look at portfolios of individual stocks, or people that are just strictly in ETFs. Like with people who are in ETF kind of portfolios, a lot of times people uh, will talk about, um, yeah, this is great, it's a nice portfolio, but you know what, Facebook's going up and I hear a grill that Snapchat IPO is coming out. Uh, maybe I need to get in on that kind of scene. Or Uber's gonna be doing an IPO, so I gotta get in on that action too. All those FANG stocks. And a lot of times people will go to their advisor and say, you know what, get me into these stocks. These things." You're missing out on all these different things. There's all these things going on. These all these individual stocks. Get me into that. And again, a lot of time it's our own selves that are shooting ourselves in the foot because we've got a plan. We've got some reasonably high quality assets that we're investing in, but we feel there's more. There's there's something there's something more we need to that maybe gonna get us to another level. We look at our friends and say, oh my God, they're investing in like, you know, all these really like LinkedIn and they're investing in like Microsoft and Apple. Like, why am I not doing that? That sort of keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Again, so these are all emotional factors that are really screw with our with our decision making. So a lot of times the reason why our, you know, the, <coughs> the industry's creating portfolios that are like crazy complex and hard to understand is like, we're asking for it. It's our fault. And so, so we need to kind of like walk ourselves back. And this is the really the value added really with working with an advisor, with a really good advisor or a planner or a coach is kind of keep you on the path, keep you on the plan to take away all these little things that kind of just kind of come in there and make us want to tweak our portfolios uh, to be, because we want to achieve a perceived level of, of sophistication and by adding more complexity to the portfolio. 
So that's a big barrier. So a lot of times, you know, I talk, you know, we, we blame the industry for doing, does this stuff, but a lot of times it's self-inflicted. We do this to ourselves. So we're not out of uh, the element of blame here. Um, we've, we play into this. And so when you have an industry that is a money-oriented industry trying to run a business, trying to be a self-sustaining business, and you have customers that are saying, you know what, get me into managed futures, get me into market neutral funds, get me into hedge funds. Like, what are you gonna do? They're going to deliver what we ask for. And that's a lot of times what the industry does is they pretty much deliver products that we ask for. They look at what's in demand. So, you know, back to this whole, you know, preservation of income, the market crash happened in, 90, in uh, 2007. People lost a lot of money. People don't wanna lose money in the future. They want products that are going to help them preserve their cash. And so guess what? We used to have this proliferation of all these different type of products, income-oriented producing products, um, dividend products, uh, low volatility, smart beta. Those are the big ones uh, of late. Um, so we ask for it. So, you know, it's so uh, that's why I really like this article by Mr. Roth because he really captures some really important themes um, and the, at the end of it, it's not just the industry is to blame, it's ourselves. We are all complicit in this. And so we, we all need to step up. And how do you step up? Well, you step up by, by understanding your education, being more engaged in the process, and then becoming more empowering. That's ultimately like what I like to do as a coach is I try to get people building up these competency levels so they can stay on the straight and narrow and make better investment decisions so they don't have to instill this levels, levels of complexity in their lives um, that they really don't need. So this is a really good article. I give, you, I recommend you take a look at it. I'll post the link on it on my website uh, when I post also the uh, when I post this podcast and, and video on my website. So hope you uh, get a chance to take check that out. A uh, couple of other things, I guess, before I wrap it up for this week, um, I want to talk a little bit about my. Uh, little Facebook Live thing that I'm doing every Wednesday night between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm doing this for, I'm trying this out for a little bit. I'm, I've done about four of these now. I'm going to be doing, hopefully I'll be doing another four, four or so, and then I'm going to see if there's any interest in it. Um, basically what I do, I just jump on uh, Facebook Live uh, through my uh, Facebook page, Sage Investors, and I'm just on there for an hour and I'm just talking investing and answering questions if you have a question about specific stock you want to analyze or you're looking at um, or some investing concept that you don't really understand and want some clarity on that and kind of fill some blanks on it, uh, shout. Just jump on board and just type away, ask away, and I'm more than happy to try and fill in the blanks and answer for it. It's just like, that's it. No, no sign up, no payments, no nothing, no spin, no pitch. Just talking investing because I, I really like to do this stuff. And uh, I can talk about it for hours, but I've forced myself to say, you know what, for one hour a week, I'm on here and I'm just basically an open mic and ask me whatever. And the worst thing I'm going to say is no. So I call it Stock Talk Live, given that this podcast is called Stock Talk. And so I figured my Facebook Live, I'm going to call it Stock Talk Live. It's every Wednesday night uh, from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you got some if you got some time, if you happen to be on Facebook and wandering around in that in Facebook, Swing on over to my page and, uh, you know, drop in and uh, see what's going on with that. Um, other things I just want to talk about, a thing I don't talk a lot about, tell people a lot, but I feel I need to tell more people about is uh, as much as I talk to people here on my podcast and as much as I'm doing stuff on Facebook Live and I blog on my website, 
um, and I teach. Uh, the other thing I also do is every, once, every Wednesday morning, I send out an email to whoever's interested and basically share with you all my latest posts that I've done on my website, all my latest blogs, videos, podcasts, um, anything that I've kind of written up about and uh, just to jump on board. And uh, so I said just some links to talk about all kinds of different investing topics, talk about my own personal investment decisions that I'm making, so I, you know, being transparent out there. So if you're interested in getting, and then on top of it, I talk about all kinds of stuff. I share with people, share with you um, what I'm reading, the type of research and investment insights that I'm reading and perspectives I'm getting and picking up and sharing with you because I think they're really cool perspectives and they're influencing how I make decisions. And so I'm just putting it out there for you just to you know take a look at it. And if it's something that's gonna help you make better investment decisions, that's a cool thing. So um, it's an email, I call it in the loop. I send it out every Wednesday morning, uh, first thing in the morning. So once you wake up and you get on your subway, go train, wherever you're going, uh, flying, wherever you're going, um, it's in your it's in your inbox and uh, if you're interested go on my website sageinvestors.ca just drop your email address and boom you're on the list and you'll be on getting stuff from me um, every Wednesday morning um, finally if you have any questions about this episode or any other previous episodes um, which are on the website and also on iTunes you can go through uh, my website sageinvestors.ca and you have questions about my uh, courses that I teach both the in-person and online uh, courses that I teach. You can, <coughs> excuse me, um, drop me an email through there, or you can find me on, <clears throat> losing my voice, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there all the time also tweeting about different uh, observations I'm seeing in the market and other perspectives from other people uh, on the stock market too. So, and, and also sharing with you in real time my investment decisions that I'm making right there, right now. Um, so that's all I got for you. Um, yeah, that's all. It's all good. So thank you very much. If you've been listening all the way to the end here, thank you so much for listening um, or watching. Um, this has been Stock Talk. My name is Amon Reina, and I will catch you again next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye.